It's a pleasure to be here with you and share God's Word. What I'm going to share with you today comes from Jesus in Mark chapter 10 in a conversation he had with some Pharisees, and it's all, all about marriage. But before all of you singles or widows get up and jump out and say, well, this isn't for me today, stop. The, the Word of God that we pass through in a course of a year is so that we would be able to all be brought up into the truth of God's Word and to be able to be voices for the truth that's so beautiful and so wonderful and for all people. And you do not know who you may need to know this for so you can touch them. So listen to this not as a single person, not as a married person, not as a divorced person, not as a young person, not as an old person. Just listen to this word from God as a child of God who wants to hear what God says about something that's very precious to him. I got three pictures up on the screen. Could you look at them for a minute? The first one on the left is a baby blanket. The middle one is the, is the, the biggest blue diamond called the blue moon diamond. And on the far right is a married couple. These, what do these three things have in common? They're all very, very precious to someone have you ever been around a two- or three-year-old who couldn't find their blankie? Oh, my goodness. One time we got it. This year we got a blast from one of you couples that said, Our kid left his blankie at church and we're, we're having a meltdown. Does anybody know where it is? We've all been there. Uh, maybe about a, a blankie. It's precious to them. It's security. That blue moon diamond there was bought in the last few years. $68 million dollars by Joseph Lau, a man from Hong Kong, and he bought it for his little daughter that he named Josephine after himself, and he renamed it the Blue Moon Josephine Diamond. I think that diamond's precious to him and to Josephine. <laughs> and then marriage on the far right. What that little kid feels about a blankie and what Joseph Lau feels about the Blue Moon Diamond, God feels about marriage. The reason that's so important to start this Bible text about marriage, that Bible text about marriage, in talking about how important it is to God, you and I have got to be taught this from God and His Word. God is crazy about marriage. He's absolutely crazy about it because He invented it. It's His thing. And if you, there's only probably 10 places in the Bible that marriage is, shows up but it shows up at the most prominent places. So it shows up at the beginning on the day he made woman and man, man and woman, and he brought them together. And that's what we read. It shows up when he wants to talk about his son Jesus and his relationship with the church. It shows up when he wants to talk about godly children. In Malachi chapter 2, he says, I'm... I go crazy when people divorce. I'm angry that people harden their hearts and have arguments and fights in marriage. Malachi chapter 2. I just say all of that so that you understand that what we're going about to talk about is extremely important to the God who made you and saved you. He loves marriage. And the world that we live in does not love marriage. 53% of the marriages in America end in divorce. Every sitcom seems to make fun of preachers and marriage. 
<clears throat> if there's a married couple, they're fuddy-duddies. Uh, if you're going to have a love story on the big screen, usually marriage is not even part of it. And every, they can do and act any way that they want to, but, but it's not really about getting to the altar, at least not anymore. We're all redefining marriage left and right. Most couples are choosing to live outside of marriage together as a couple rather than have a commitment. And you know what? You might think, well, you know, the Bible's probably irrelevant to the world. At least the world feels that way because it's talking all about marriage, but that's kind of old-fashioned. Actually, the narratives of the Bible, when they focus on marriage, show the same dismal pattern that you're living in in the world today multiple wives, remember, in the Old Testament, extramarital affairs, sex for hire in the very first book of the Bible, divorce, fighting, intrigue, all kinds of problems. The, the Bible is nakedly honest about the state of marriage even during the times that the Bible was written. And Jesus' time and life was no exception. Here come the Pharisees. There's a picture of them talking to Jesus from Mark chapter 10. They come to him, they're religious leaders. They don't care at the moment so much about marriage like God does. What they want to do is they want to discredit Jesus because he's gathering so much influence that they want to bring a popular argument because marriage and divorce and problems in relationships are real common in Jesus' day. And so they want to get him embroiled in that and get him to side with one view or another so that they can discredit him, so that they can make him lose some of his following. In other words, in other words, they politicized marriage. Sound familiar, Supreme Court Justice? They politicize the whole thing. They bring it to Jesus, and Jesus brings it down to home, to the heart, home with the heart of God. And what I want to do is just show you what he says and help you understand what God wants you to take home about marriage for your own life. So you can be a light for the truth and grow in it. Jesus says marriage is God's thing. because it's, And he says don't mess with marriage. Remember that bumper sticker, don't mess with Texas? Don't mess with marriage. Don't use it as a political pawn in our conversation. Marriage is God's thing. And you'll make a big mess out of it if you mess with marriage. Now let's read Jesus' words. Okay, We'll read them together and then we'll talk about them. Or I'll talk about them. Okay. Some Pharisees, you can join me. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together... Let no one separate. This is the clear, unadulterated truth about how God, there he is in, in the flesh, Jesus, how God feels about marriage. And he starts with, 
Don't mess with it because it's God's thing. This is what he said. What did Moses command you? They said, well, Moses permitted you to send your spouse away, send your wife away. And he said, that's because why? It's hard to admit, but every one of us has to admit it. That's because of why? No, no, I thought it was because she is so hard to communicate with and we don't have much in common and we've grown apart. Why is it? Because your hearts were hard. No, no, I think it's because he was unfaithful. Uh, That's why. No, why is it? Because your hearts were hard. This, see, God says, I see the heart of every person. And the reason that sinners struggle with marriage, all of us struggle with marriage in one way or another, is because we're born sinful and sinners are always allowing their hearts to get hard toward God and hard toward people. And you live in close proximity with the most intimate relationship that a person can have, marriage, and it's tough not to grow hard. And, and if people aren't divorced, often they're hard in 20%, 30%, 70%, or 90% of their heart toward their mate. Maybe they're 100% hard, but they're still staying married and they're acting like divorced people in their own home. But this is the, this is the important part, and I told you I'm going to hit you with rock-solid truth, and you just got to listen to it as a child of God. Jesus is God himself who sees the heart of all of humanity. And he said, Moses, in his case law, his civil law in the Old Testament, he allowed it because in civil law, hearts were hard and he had to somehow have civil order in Israel while there were hard hearts. But if you're asking me, God, Jesus says, about marriage from the beginning, it was never supposed to be. And then he goes back to Genesis, which we read where God made Adam and Eve, he brought them together, and then Adam, or God, or Moses the writer, says he brought them together, and for this reason, you could probably say it with me, a man shall what? Leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And then Jesus says in this text, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's my thing. When I bring a couple together, I make them one flesh. That's why in American society, and it's not so much in the rest of the world, we still, most of the time, people take on the one last name to signify that a new family has formed and God has made them one flesh. It's my thing. And if we just divorce, 53% of the population in America divorces, we just divorce, we break God's thing. This is about commitment. This is about faith in the Word of God. This is not about feelings. It's not about your story. It's about God's heart. God will grant you that a marriage can be broken before there's a divorce, and a couple might divorce, and it might be the better choice, but not 53% of the marriages. And there's another day in another sermon about the cases where God says it's okay. But not 53%. And certainly not in the body of Christ, 53%. And the church in America is no different than the world. It's the same percentage. So listen to Jesus. Don't mess with marriage. It's God's thing, children of God. Revere it as a blue diamond, just like he does. 
That blue diamond, 68 million, God, it's, the, it's in his word and it's part of humanity. I made them male and female. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't create the sexes. We didn't create marriage. It's not evolutionary development that people get married in a monogamous marriage relationship. It's a God thing from the very beginning, Jesus said. Until maybe the second day, Mary, Adam and Eve fell into sin and then they started to pick at each other and blame and hearts started being hardened, right? We don't want to live as atheists functionally in marriage as if it's our thing and we can do whatever we want. So if you're struggling in marriage, you want to know that part of your struggle is your own hard heart. And you got to get help with that probably. And we're here to help you. Let's move to the second thought. If you mess with marriage, this is, what, this is hard to listen to, but it's so important. You mess up a lot. There's a, a, a little nuclear family, right? Husband, wife, boy and girl. God never gave us a girl. We have four boys, so our picture would look different. But that's kind of what people think is the ideal. God intended for little children to grow up with a mother and a dad. The mother showing what a woman is like, what a wife is like, the softness and the gentleness and how to maintain emotions and live by the word of God, although you have deep feelings. And he created men to show what and, and put them in a marriage so kids could look up at dad and see how to treat a woman and how to be strong and how to be a leader and how to be strong and gentle at the same time and loving. And that both parents would show commitment and forgiveness go together. They're two sides of the same coin because they're not always going to get along, but they can learn to love each other and forgive each other and stay committed throughout a very difficult, challenging long life marriage. He wanted kids to grow up in that so that they would have the easiest way to learn is to have a model. And he wanted kids to have models right there in their own home, close up and personal, guiding and pushing and talking and sharing and being and, and sharing all of that together. And he wanted them to grow up to make it so that they, after the parents have gone to heaven and resting in glory, they themselves would be doing the same thing. And throughout the planet, marriage would be what society was built on. And the hardness of heart and learning to forgive and not find revenge and learning to not have a criminal mind would be taught by mom and dad in the home and all these things he intended. And you break that and you make it very, very difficult to grow up and very, very difficult to be committed and very, very difficult to understand that forgiveness is real because it's easier just to harden your heart, cut it loose, we've grown, we've grown apart, we'll go our separate ways. And God says, don't mess it up. It's my thing. It works. Um, I didn't know this until we went to the rehearsal dinner one of, our, of one of our sons. And uh, he said he had recently gone to the doctor to establish a new relationship with a general practitioner. And the general practitioner lady doctor was asking him questions about his personal history. Well, tell me about your family. Tell me about your mom and your dad. Has there been any divorce? What are the different stresses? What are the medical things? We got down to the, the, he said, well, my mom and dad have been married 30 years plus and this and this and this. And he went down the road and, she, and he said to her, I guess I've just had a pretty normal life. She put the paper down. She said, no, that's not normal. Now, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to beg. 
Dear Christians, let's make it as normal as it can be for the rest of our lives. Let's don't mess it up. Let's don't mess it up. Let's make it as normal for the sake of the children. By the way, that passage I referenced, Malachi chapter 2, when God says, I hate it when people fight all the time and I hate it when they divorce, he says the reason I made marriage is so I could have godly children grow up and be godly adults. And all the research, all the research indicates the exact same thing. Well, who would have guessed, right? The Word of God is true. The second big thing that you mess up when you treat marriage with low esteem is this beautiful witness that marriage is supposed to have for the people around you. Remember, if you're single, you're here to encourage the marriages of others so that they witness for your Savior. This is a picture of Jesus looking at his bride, and all the little faces in the bride's gown are the, are the Christians. Because in the Bible, the church is called the bride of Christ. And we read that in Ephesians chapter 5. It was right at the tail end. It probably snuck in on you. It said, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. He said, but I'm really talking about Christ and the church. Here's the deal. When people see Christians in marriage, they are supposed to see what Christ and his church is like. That, what is Christ like? On the cross, self-sacrificing. I remember one time, a long time ago, doing some marriage counseling. The couple had been married about seven or eight years, which, by the way, is a real challenging time. About seven to ten to twelve years right in there. And, and this young dad, kids at home, things like that, couple sitting there together. He said, I work all day for my family. I bring my whole paycheck home. When I come home, that's when I want to be served. And he said, when do I get served? What would you say? I said, when you get to heaven. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to ask the question that way. Because you're Christ, right? Can you see Jesus walking up to his disciples? When do I get served? Now, you know he was disappointed. He said, can you not watch with me for one hour, right? Have you been with me this long and you still do not understand, right? He was hurt, but he didn't say, flip that switch and say marriage to the church is about being served. Here's the deal. 98% of us, when we come to this altar and we stand before the pastor in the beautiful gown and the tux, are thinking, we might say it, but we're thinking, I'm into this marriage, I'm getting into it, because I know I'm going to get a great spouse that's going to bless me. That's how we got to the altar. We were going to receive. And it usually takes a lot of time for us to work through it all, to realize, even though we said it wasn't why we came, we really do have a lot of selfish reasons for being married. Did you know that marriage is 100% self-sacrifice? And the church does that for Jesus because he's our wonderful husband, right? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Where I am, you will be also. If I have to suffer for you, you will want to suffer for me. It'll be the same. And that challenges you in your heart. And you think about it a lot because you have to suffer for the word. And he goes, some people rejoice in the word as soon as they hear it. They love the wedding to Jesus. But he said, then when they have to suffer for the word, oh, they're like the, the seed planted in the stone. They, they fade away. The pressure's too much. 
See, the relationship with Christ and his church is mutual love, which equals self-sacrifice. It's not a feeling. It's an action based on an attitude, based on a truth of knowing how much you really are loved. Man, this sounds tough at times, doesn't it? It's hard-hitting. I stand in front of you as someone you've watched. Many of you have watched me stumble through marriage like you have for 30-plus years. You weren't there when I got married, but the last 26. This, this, when you start listening to what Jesus says, don't separate. And then all the other places in Scripture about it being about love and self-sacrifice and modeling the love and forgiveness and commitment and self-sacrifice that Christ has for His church and vice versa the church has for Christ. When you hear all of this... Who would not be convicted? <laughs> it's not about whether you serve papers or not. It's about whether you have a beating heart or not. You struggle with marriage like everybody else. And even if you're like happily married, and everybody on Facebook sees how happy you are, you know in your heart how you struggle. You can't do any of this perfectly and you can't do any of it without Jesus. So how do you handle this? First thing is, you just admit, Lord, you have convicted me. I'm, the, I'm one of those people that has demeaned marriage. And I need forgiveness. I need your grace. What's he going to say? Well, he's the self-sacrificing Savior who died on the cross for you. He's going to say, I forgive you. I love you. He says it right now. If you're feeling convicted, he says, I love you. There's not a person who's messed up too many times that's got a beating heart sitting in this church today that isn't forgiven. We're forgiven. Bring it to Jesus and get grace and enjoy that grace. So now that you know you're forgiven and you're loved and you're not just feel like I'm up here chewing you out for Jesus, what are you going to do? Huh? What are you going to do? Well, you're going to honor marriage, right? You're going to honor it because it's a cool thing. It's God's thing. It's a beautiful blue diamond. And you get to be a part of it as part of his church that's enlightened. I don't mean just if you're married or not. You get to be a part of it. You're going to honor marriage. This is a passage, one of the last passages that directly speaks about marriage. Revelation has some pictures of marriage. But in the, toward the end of the Bible, let's read this together. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Take the first half. Marriage should be honored by all. Honor marriage. Speak well of it. Learn more about that commitment. Encourage other people to have the commitment called marriage and to learn to bring Christ into their marriage. Support married couples. Encourage them. Build them up. Even confront us that are married if we're not treating our spouse right, but do it with love and respect. Be a model. Encourage marriage. Turn off those things that are stories on the screen that are constantly telling you that marriage is not important and that a life of sexual immorality without marriage is okay. Right? Change the music we listen to. Don't just sing along with it. Sing God's song. And honor marriage. Why? Because marriage is God's thing. And it's beautiful. And we don't want to make a mess out of it. Because we love him. Because he first loved us. Amen.